Welcome to the Ask an Expert podcast, hosted by Joshua Carlson, co-founder of the award-winning direct marketing agency, Propello Media. Ask an Expert is a show of candid conversations with proven business and thought leaders, talking about real problems, and more importantly, about real solutions you can use to benefit your own business. We hope you enjoy the honest and organic nature of each guest's conversation. So let's jump right in. They say curiosity killed the cat, but for today's Ask an Expert, it spawned a career. Hi, I'm Joshua Carlson, co-founder of Propello Media, and today I sit down with Tim Wolfley. He is a digital marketing guru who's worked with some big brands from Ashley Home Furniture, Staples, and Polaris, just to name a few. Today, he's going to be talking about some emerging technology that he sees with geofencing that's going to help you go out and capture more market share from your competitors and get you more customers that look like the ones you already have. It's also going to talk about how we can track, monitor, and evaluate marketing as we move towards a more omni-channel marketing strategy. And finally, it's going to talk about the importance of video and why it's the most powerful channel that you can use today to communicate with those that mean the most, your customers, in a socially distant environment. Now, do me a favor. If you like what you hear today, smash the thumbs up button, share with anybody that you think might find it interesting, and most importantly, subscribe. It really helps us out and it allow you to be notified when we have new content dropping. Now, let's hear what Tim has to say. Tim, thank you so much for coming on our Ask an Expert series. Yeah, of course. Glad to be here. All right. So you've worked with some big brands from Ashley's um, to Staples um, on digital marketing campaigns. Um, and you've been doing this for quite a while. I'm curious, what led you to get into digital marketing? Uh, honestly, it was curiosity. I, uh, I was in sales and I was working with uh, home improvement goods. And I was, had a frustrating day at work and I was home shopping for my wife and I was retargeted. Uh-huh. And I thought that's the coolest thing. So I, I literally Googled ads that know what I looked at and discovered it was retargeting and uh i started searching everything i could about it and learning as much as i could and and finally found a job in the industry and okay the rest is history okay um you're a big fan of testing your way into campaigns um which i think is interesting because a lot of people like to kind of put all their eggs into one basket and they still learn something at the conclusion of the campaign. Uh, but you take a different philosophy. You're really kind of wading into the pool as opposed to jumping in. Can you talk about your experience with that? Um, well, yeah. And a lot of this comes from, again, my experience working with a lot of large brands. Um, I think sometimes as marketers that we like to think that these retailers have unlimited budgets mm-hmm. and we want to go in and get as much as we can. We want to earn our commissions um, whatever. And, and so we go in and we push for huge budgets. Um, the, the problem with that is obviously they're not limitless budgets and they do have to be mindful of what response response rates they're getting and how successful the campaigns are. And if anyone ever tells you they know exactly what to do with your campaign out of the gates, they're lying to you. Um, every, every brand has um, specific needs. They have a unique audience. Um, there's, there's seasonal, um, uh, seasonality to consider. I mean, there, there's, there's a lot of moving pieces. So yeah, I strongly believe in getting in and test small. And as you see those, those successes, and as you learn the wins, then you grow. And from your experience in working with clients, um, what would you say is the, 
um, I guess the personal outcome of this. So are you seeing a longer engagement when you work with a client where you've tested your way into it versus, you know, peers that you've seen in the industry that, you know, are more about the like, Hey, let's, let's go, let's go out with a bang kind of thing. Yeah. Every time. Um, and, and sometimes it'll even be our initial agreed upon budget is the same. You know, for an example, I might have a counterpart that says, Hey, I'm testing with brand XYZ and they'll pitch a hundred thousand dollars for a one month test. Um, I, on the flip side would say, look, if you have a hundred thousand dollars, you're willing to test, let's do $33,000 a month for three months. Okay. And that allows me to show off my best. Um, because again, there, there are some assumptions that I have to make going out of the gates. They may be right. They may be wrong, but by having those three months to refine those assumptions and, and to, to fix what maybe I didn't have right, um, means that at the end of it, I can show a lot more improvement and a lot more success and maintain uh, those relationships longer. Okay. That makes sense. Um, I'm also curious as we see more and more companies getting savvy, moving in the omni-channel direction. Um, one thing that I see marketers wrestling with is attribution. Um, let's talk about attribution. What are your thoughts on it and how you see um, measuring a campaign success? Uh, well, so this is a little bit, this could be a, a really long answer. It really depends on what channel you're measuring. Some are a lot easier than others. Um, you know, display, for an example, uh, for a long time, everything was measured. It was a post-impression uh, conversion. It was fine and everyone was happy with it. And so we shifted really heavily to focus on post-click conversions. And all of a sudden you started getting a lot of fraud and um, sometimes things tracked, sometimes they didn't. So there's a lot of attribution tools out there. And I think attribution definitely has its place. And I think you, we, we as marketers should do everything we can to understand that, that um, whole picture, not measuring on last click, not measuring on first click, but measuring every touch point in between and assigning attribution accordingly. Um, that said, we're, we're paid to be marketers because of our, our minds and our guts, I think as well. Right. And where some channels like display may be a little bit hard to quantify the, the full effectiveness, um, it's nonetheless a valuable tool and we all know it. Um, so, so yeah, I, I think that there's kind of a, a hybrid between intelligence of just measuring the best we can and just that gut instinct of, I know this works. Okay. So I guess I want to take it a little bit further because I do think historically attribution has kind of been this, you know, it has been pointed to, I think even before it was called attribution, right? It's like, we're going to put a promo code on something so that we can explicitly track. But as we do move in the structure of omni-channel, what are you seeing with clients that you work with as far as importance? You know, is it really the straw that broke the camel's back or is it the collection of straws over time that really need to be um, evaluated and appreciated as a group, as opposed to just the last one. Yeah. More and more, I think people are moving to the, the multi-touch attribution. Um, Now that said, we can't completely discount post-click conversions because that's, that's what's built our e-commerce world. Right. Um, And so we can't throw it all out and say it's completely worthless. But um, yeah, if you can measure multi-touch, you're going to be better off because the problem is, is the first guy never gets credit. And the first guy is the one that's originating all the new revenue for you. Um, There's a lot of brand, I'm not going to, I'm not going to name sites, but there's a lot of sites that we all go to, right? Where we last minute Google and we say coupon for XYZ company. Right. 
well, that, that I'm sorry, they shouldn't get 100% attribution because they gave me 10% off the thing I was going to buy anyway. Um, so you have to understand where that, that purchase actually originated and look at all those influencers along the path before I actually took that discount. Um, and I think most brands are recognizing that today. It's, it's just kind of tricky to get a really crystal clear picture of what happened. Okay. Um, I want to shift gears a little bit and I want to talk about geofencing. Um, marketing technique that's been around for a while, um, but some recent advancements have made it much more compelling um, compared to how it was a few years ago. So what are you seeing there? Yeah. So first I should say, I'm a, I'm a huge, huge fan of geofencing um, and I always have been. Um, but if we would have had this conversation a couple of years ago, basically what I would tell you is like, look, you pick a point and we're going to draw a circle around it, you know, whether it's, you know, a uh, hundred feet or a hundred yards or whatever. And anyone that crosses that circle, I'm going to start to target with ads, right? They cross right. this geofence. Um, and it was good, but it wasn't, it wasn't perfect. Um, you can imagine if I'm trying to sell clothing and I pick out a, a particular retail store, whether it was my own or a competitor's, that big circle is going to include a parking lot. It might include a couple of fast food restaurants. And I'm serving ads to people that aren't really, um, aren't really the audience I'm going for. So sure. now we can get a lot more specific now, where now not only can we dry, draw walls, I mean, we can literally look at a building and say, we know that these are the four walls. Right. And anyone that crosses those, I'm going to serve specifically to those users uh, or those shoppers. We can even drill further now. And so that's great that they're shopping with us, but still are they the, the demographic I'm looking for? And we can start to eliminate and say, you know, for example, are they a pet owner or what, do they have a certain uh, income and really f refine those, that geofence to be a really specific audience still. Okay. Fascinating. Um, I guess with this granularity, what are some of the strategies that you guys use to, to go to market and um, to help businesses? Yeah, well, I'm thinking of coining these phrases because I, I think they're pretty good. But um, I think there's uh, affinity acquisition. Um, and affinity acquisition is is kind of that shared, um, well, that shared affinity, right? So for an example, um, we might look that and discover that people that like Nikes mm -hmm. uh, for tennis shoes might also like, um, I don't know, a, a certain restaurant, right? They might like Red Lobster, and if we can discover some of those affinities, what we can then do is say, well, look, um, anyone that goes to Red Lobster, a Red Lobster in this certain zip code, we're going to serve them Nike ads. And, and so you can discover some of those affinities. And that might be a really poor example, but there's, there's all sorts of brand affinities out there that are, are totally open for discovery. Um, the other would be competitor conquesting. And that's just what it sounds like, right? As a, um, as a retailer, we'll use Macy's and Nordstrom's as an example, right? Um, I guess there's probably a lot of people that shop at both of those stores. So if I were Macy's and I wanted to acquire new customers, I might look and say, look, anyone that shops at Nordstrom's, yeah. I'm going to serve them ads um, and, and try to bring them um, bring them into the fold, if you will. Um, and then finally, the, the other strategy I think that isn't getting near the legs that it ought to is what I would call four-wall retargeting. Okay. Um, and what that is, it's like everyone knows what website retargeting is. Someone comes to your site, you want to keep yeah. serving them ads. Um, it just makes perfect sense to us. But then someone comes to our store 
and we let them leave without talking to them again. But because geofencing can be so pinpoint accurate, we can say anyone that crosses our threshold with a mobile device, of course, um, we're going to continue to serve them ads. So depending on what, what your return customer rates are, you can say, look, I know that most of my best customers come back in four weeks. So starting week three, you can start serving them ads again to bring them back into your store and and keep that relationship and conversation going. So that was long-winded, Joshua. I hope it made sense. No, it totally does. Um, So it sounds like you've got flexibility to to set the cadence and to set the frequency as far as how long, because I think that's an important factor. And someone that's going to Nordstrom's, you know, they're maybe not going to Nordstrom's every single day, but someone that's going to Red Lobster is probably going out to eat at least once or twice a week. So the different cadence, you've got that flexibility to be able to set those differently. Yeah, that's right. You can, you can basically turn on a time delay and say, okay. you know, again, if, if, if I own a retail store and I start serving somebody ads the day after they left my store, unless they have unlimited budgets, it's wasted spend. But most of us have, you know, clothing budgets, right? I can only buy sure. so many flannel shirts right. um, before my wife gets mad at me. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, if they put a delay on it though and said, hey, we're going to serve him, you know, ads a month later, well, then it makes a lot more sense. But to your point, a restaurant um, might be something where they say, look, let's get them to come back every two or three weeks. Okay. Um, how many how many clients do you think are um, or should be adopting all three of these? Or are there instances where they should just be doing really focusing on one? Like, hey, maybe retargeting. We're really good at what we do. So maybe retargeting is all we need to do to just keep, a, keep that clientele you know, top of mind. Well, so it depends on whether we're talking strictly e-commerce or if we're talking brick and mortar. Uh, if we're talking brick and mortar, uh, well, and e-commerce on this one, I, I think everyone should be doing retargeting. Yeah. But if you have a retail store, um, especially in today's climate where so many people are uncomfortable going out and shopping, I think those who are willing are raising their hand really tall and you'd be a fool not to be retargeting those people. Right. Likewise, if you have a brick and mortar store, um, you can identify people that are willing to shop. And again, raising their hand saying, you know, either I'm not scared of the virus or I'm wearing wearing a mask or whatever. Um, And they're saying, I'm I'm a shopper. I think you're a fool if you don't try to target those people and get them to go to your retail store. You know, we we like to look at coronavirus as, as being the thing that's breaking brick and mortar right now or retail. But it's been struggling for years and years and years. Right. And so I, I think those two strategies in particular, uh, if you have brick and mortar, are, are very important. Affinity is, I, I think, from a brand that has a stronger appetite, right? Someone who wants to be a little bit more creative. I don't think that everyone should do it. Um, but if you've got an appetite to really do some neat testing and find an audience that you maybe would ignore otherwise, um, it's a smart it's a smart strategy. Okay. Um, want to go to the quick fire round where, uh, we're starting to introduce this to people just to get a little bit of more personality. Um, so starting at the top, um, you got a favorite podcast you listen to right now? Um, boy, no, I, you know, I don't, I watch a lot of YouTube channels, but right now they're all the, they're all doom and gloom, man. Okay. So I don't know that I want to recommend any to anybody. Okay. Um, favorite personal, uh, or excuse me, favorite professional inspiration. 
Um, what do you mean? Help me understand exactly what you're looking for here. Uh, so uh, it could be Mark Cuban, right? Somebody that you you see as a, whether it's a tactical or it's a thought leader, you know, like a Gary Vee is always out there pushing content. Is there somebody that you kind of turn to like, hey, this is, this guy always gets me going or, or woman um, gets me going. Well, so um, like most sales guys, right? Chris Voss is, is my man. I, I really like his, uh, his book, Never Split the Difference. I've listened, I think every, interview the guy's ever done the second one is is probably my dave ramsey he's my man um uh, everyone should live by his his principles both in finances and in life and i think they'll be better off so um where i don't have any debt largely thanks to dave ramsey i i still listen to him more frequently than a normal person should Okay. All right. Well, that's, that's good feedback. That's why we're asking. Um, favorite book. So maybe it's the, it's the Chris Voss book. Uh, maybe it's a different one, but favorite business book. Uh, yeah. Never split the difference. Okay. Chris Voss. Okay. Um, early riser or burning the midnight oil. What's your, what's your personal early riser. Okay. All right. Well, same here. So, uh, yeah. all right. So, um, getting back into it, I guess, um, I'm curious as you're looking forward and obviously we've talked about some emerging things that are happening right now, but do you see any trends, um, or do you see anything that is of interest for you? I know this year has really, um, been the year of video as far as, you know, channel and communication. Um, so I'm very interested to see how that kind of evolves over the next couple of years. But, um, what are you, what are you thinking as you look into, uh, into the future? Well, yeah, I think videos, um, a very important one because we're having a harder time connecting with people. Right. Um, and I, I can't tell you the exact statistics, but it's, they're, they're staggering numbers. If you look at the, <coughs> excuse me, the, the amount of people right now that will buy from a brand because they relate to them because they have shared values, um, and things like that. And that's, that's kind of hard to, to convey that I think through the written word, right. Sure. Most of us are are looking for that quick, quick fix. That's why I watch a lot of YouTube and things like that. I want to, I want to learn, I want to listen, and I kind of want to do it quickly. Yeah. Uh, and I think video can do that better than any other, any other medium. Um, in, in particular, I think of, you know, areas where customer service has historically been a big feature of our services. Sure. Um, or of our business. I think it's important. Uh, credit unions, for an example, or banks. I think every one of them should be having professionals talk on their websites. Um, they're, they're existing employees. Yeah. And the reason being is I, I can't go into my credit union and just talk to somebody right now. If I do, I have to schedule an appointment. When I go in, we both have masks on. And if I can get a quick how-to or um, some sort of thought from my credit union just by clicking on, you know, I don't know, um, I don't know mortgages or something like that and get some quick sure. tips... I feel like that that helps us relate as people. Um, but I think we also have to recognize that a lot of what we're living in today is, is not going to change. Um, we're going to be, even if the coronavirus, if we had a solution tomorrow and we were all vaccinated and healed, um, I, I think that we're all going to be a little more apprehensive of some of our old traditions. Um, and, and that's everything from just walking in the store comfortably to handshaking and, and all of that. And I think what's important is that brands continue to be nimble and look for any way to um, relate to their um, to their customers and, and build that relationship, whether it's video or really smart social strategies. 
um, a way that we can communicate one to another. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, months and months ago, before this whole pandemic started, um, I had a chance to talk to um, Provident uh, Credit Union CEO, and he was talking about the thing that really separates them from other credit unions were their people. And so it was just a really meaningful takeaway that, you know, it's that personal interaction that we are not having an opportunity to have right now, nearly the the degree that we used to. And yet that leaves a static website that is, you know, for all intents and purposes, could be doing a better job of having this interaction through that video. That's exactly right. All right. So, um, if I gave you a time travel machine, um, I wouldn't be in this conversation because I'd be rich. Um, but if you were to use it, um, you know, in a, in a meaningful way and go back and, and give yourself some advice to younger you starting out your career, um, what do you think you might, you know, suggest to, uh, to the younger professional you? Um, ignore the garbage. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of garbage. Uh, honestly, it's easy to get uh, get bogged down. I've, I've been blessed. I've, I've seen some pretty good success in my career. Um, but I've also had some downtimes. And if I look back, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? I look back and, and recognize a lot of those, those quote unquote downtimes were from outside influence that I was giving way too much importance to, or way much too, way too much thought to. Um, and if we can turn off the outside world, turn off all the background noise, sometimes, and just focus on on the here and now and tomorrow. Um, what we see more success, and frankly, we just sleep better and we're healthier, and uh, just ignore ignore all the garbage. That's sage advice. Um, it's hard to do at times, but definitely uh, makes the day much better. So, all right. Well, Tim, I want to thank you for coming on our Ask an Expert show. Um, really appreciate it. some good insights, um, especially on the digital side of things. Um, I wish you best uh, to uh, you and your family, and I uh, look forward to having you back again. All right. Thanks, Tim. Yep. See ya. If you like this segment, make sure you smash the thumbs up button and subscribe. That way you'll automatically be notified the next time our new episode drops. Stay safe and keep propelling your business forward. Hi, it's your host, Joshua Carlson, and I wanted to thank you for listening to today's show. This is the point where most shows ask you for a five-star review, but we're not doing this for the accolades. Don't get me wrong, seeing five stars feels great, but our goal here is to provide real content from real experts that can meaningfully propel you and your business forward. So if there's something we fell short on, a question we missed, or if you just have any constructive feedback, go ahead and leave a review with your thoughts. We also enjoy hearing directly from our listeners, so look for our contact info via the show notes so we can connect one-on-one. We really do love the feedback so we can continue to improve and propel the show forward for you and all of our listeners. 